Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to yet another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without also creating division in community, and where we want to provide a time and a place for you to remember how to think, but not tell you what you should think. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I'm the creative director at Hill City, where we used to record this podcast, and I'm here with my co-host, my friend, Mr. John Wagler. John, what's going on, man? How's your socially distant life going? It's going. It's going. Yeah. You ready? You're ready for it to be over? I mean, we're all ready for it to be over. Yeah. You know, we've gotten to see some more people recently, you know, in different, whether that's popping into the office and seeing people or having people on the back patio, you know, kind of deal or front yard porch hangs or whatever, you know, that's, that's becoming more of a thing. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah, the yard hangs have definitely started happening where it's just like, we know, okay, this is awkward, but that's fine. I would rather (laughs) see you awkwardly than not see you at all. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's just not feasible to not see people. (laughs) Yeah, so true. Um, We learned our, uh, we went, we like took our first field trip yesterday to Fossil Beach, which was cool, but also a staunch reminder for me of why I actually enjoy being inside most of the time, (laughs) as I was nearly eradicated by a copperhead snake <laughs> that would only happen to you and i'll likely only me only me <laughs> my you would have appreciated my reaction too i i so underreacted i like turned around the snake was like uh, two feet from me and i was getting ready to take a step and my reaction was oh for goodness sake and i just like turned back around <laughs> uh, um cool well so today on today's episode we're going to do a thing that we pr- we're going to give the people what they want what they want. that's what this podcast right. is about <laughs> it's not about us it's not about it's us about it's about you you the listener that's right we're going to give the people what they want um John and I started to have a little discourse on Facebook, of all places, um, over a, I don't know if you would call it a meme, something that I posted, I guess, like just a text thing that I reposted. And uh, we quickly decided that it would be better on the podcast. So that is what we're doing today. John and I are going to finish a Facebook conversation live on the air slash pre-recorded for you to listen to whenever (laughs) you want. Well, that's Um, because I don't do Facebook back and forth. You love them. And oh. it's like your spiritual gift, but I hate them. And so <laughs> we decided to do it this way. So couldn't uh, couldn't have this conversation on my turf, my beloved Facebook. <laughs> so we had to take it to neutral ground. Uh, although all joking aside, I should affirm that you should not want to be on Facebook because it's a terrible place. <laughs> and it's a bad reflection on me that I exist well in Facebook and Twitter. Um, I'd agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to be self-deprecating, John. <laughs> um, so I will just kind of like go for those who did. I mean, we can't assume that like all, you know, whatever thousand of our listeners <laughs> follow us on Facebook, which is probably a good thing. So I will sort of recap uh, what was said or or how it started. And then we can we can sort of finish the convo. Um, yeah, that's great. So yeah, I reposted uh, sort of like one of these text posts. I, I guess you could call it a meme, but it just said, we never had a booming economy if 80% of the population cannot afford to miss two paychecks. Um, and then uh, you commented, um, very true for so many folks. 
Um, the other side to this, for some people, parenthetical for some people, is not being able to afford to miss two paychecks can be an indictment on how people handle their money because of no discipline, budgeting, and not living within their means. And then uh, the gist, I think, of my response, of course, now it's not loading. But the gist of my response was like, yeah, if this number was like 40% of people that couldn't live past two paychecks, then I would be willing to consider like, well, how many of these people are just bad with their money? But the fact for me that it was 90% made it seem like we have a large economic problem rather than just um, people being bad with their money. Uh, so walk me through sort of like, so you read it and then you posted your response and like, walk me through what kind of you got out of what I posted or what the sort of subtext was for you and what your perspective is on that sort of sweeping generalization. (laughs) Uh, well, I think, I think that is what I got out of it was the sweeping generalization of the, the statement that though I, there's a part of me that wholeheartedly agrees with that statement, you know, like in terms of there's, as I said, there's a large chunk of people now to what percentage, I don't, I don't even know how you articulate that, you know, um, that it shows that like, yes, our economy is very good for a lot of people, but there's also a lot of holes in our economy from, you know, the healthcare to student loan stuff to just, you know, things that people, you know, you have to make above a certain amount to be able to have any money to be able to do things with, right? So um, my point though, was that when, you, when a statement like that is made at 80%, I just, my, my antenna just went up of like, there's no way that that's true. Oh, okay. Like there, like there's, there's just no way. And, um, and so even like anecdotally with just like people that I know, like there's just no way that that's true, you know? And so, um, so that's what led me to say like, well, sure, this is true for some people, Um, I guess part of it is like, I'm just kind of tired of things like that, Mm. you know, like, um, like big statements by people. Um, and obviously there's a zillion of them in our current (laughs) state of being, um, I think I'm just like tired of it because you you realize more and more that it feels like everyone's got an angle, Mm. um, in a big way. And so people then just jump onto something that doesn't necessarily ring true or as you and I talk about all the time, like we can't, it's so hard to make generalizations when we know that so much is nuanced, Mm. you know? And so my point was not, not to even disagree per se. It was like, no, I agree with a part of this statement that maybe like, I, I do agree with saying like our economy is not as great as people keep making it out to be. Um, for mo- for a lot of people. Um, however, my, my point where I was coming from was like, I'm just tired of, um, honestly, a part of it is I'm tired of people not taking responsibility for stuff mm-hmm. and being accountable for things. And just like, like I'm tired of talking to people that make good money. Um, and let's just say a single person making 60 grand a year and complaining that they can't live, you know, and, and then they just, they travel all the time. They've got new clothes all the time. They like maxed out their car or they, you know, maxed out the budget on a car, whatever. And I, I'm, I'm just like kind of over the people not taking responsibility. And it feels like, um, 
that more and more talking to people, um, you know, I start hearing uh, or even reading, you know, even like reading what people are saying, like they're just looking for like the government to keep bailing them out on certain things. Mm -hmm. Do I think there's a time and place for that? I do. Absolutely. Um, But like, it's just, I think I'm just over it. (laughs) Honestly, I think I'm just, I'm just, I'm overhearing people who make like good money saying they can't live on that. Yeah. So. That makes a lot of sense. I think it kind of gets down to the core. Cause I think, so the re obviously I didn't post it for no reason and it's not a cited statistic. So I didn't post it because I was like, look, here's a like well-cited statistic. Yeah. Obviously I had feel, you know, a feeling that I was trying to communicate yeah. by reposting it. So it's interesting that like a singular statement from our two different perspectives can dredge up kind of like, um, uh, um, I'm trying to think like object or no, I'm sorry, subjective feelings about a seemingly objective topic. Um, because the feeling that I had when reposting it is, is like a feeling that I have a lot, which is this kind of sense of, um, these constant smoke screens being thrown up by, our society that are reasons why it's okay that um, 1% of the people in the world have 99% of the wealth in the world. Um, And there's all these like seeming excuses as to like, this is how the system works. It works well. Don't worry about it. Um, And I think that's like my over, but even in that you and I have two different perspectives because we have two different life experiences. Like you're a pastor so you talk to people, I mean, you one-on-one talk to people about this stuff, their finances, their relationships more. So your feelings are probably more built up around like all those conversations that you had where I almost never talk to people about their finances. Like w- when I do talk to people one-on-one and any sort of like counseling or advice or like somebody calling me to talk to me about a serious issue, I talk to them about their neogram. I talk to them about uh, their feelings and like occasionally I'll talk to them about their relationships. And usually it's like younger folks who are dating. I don't normally talk to like married folks about their marriage relationships. So it's, so I tend to have this more macro view of the world or or like this more macro, like um, my feelings are more affected by macro ideas of like social justice and wealth inequality and all this stuff where you have more like anecdotal evidence of like, I'm so sick of hearing people who, you know, single people who make $70,000 a year tell me how poor they are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or yeah. Or married people that make 140 combined, you know, or whatever, like they're, you know, um, and doesn't have to be that much money. It's like the, the median, uh, salary for people in America is Mm $49,000. You know, and so that means that's like per person. So like half of our country per person makes more than that, you know. And so I don't know, like if you if someone makes like 32 grand or 28 grand or like I get it or the systematic inequality stuff, like I I totally agree with that stuff. Like, you know, like we we did inner city youth ministry for years and we would go into some of these neighborhoods and we would sit with the kids and we'd be like, why are you spending your money on that? Or why are you buying that? Or why, you know, and they would have like the opinion of like, well, why not? You know, like this is the one thing I can latch onto to feel like something, you know, like I, I bought these Air Jordans because, you know, this 
gives me a little credibility and it makes me feel good and it might be a poor use of the money but like part of that is to your point before that you made like there's an educational thing there you know um i will say when we did inner city youth ministry just parenthetically any any kid that we worked with that had two parents at home um made wildly different decisions with their money and um and so sometimes i'm like hey we blame the system for things a lot of times where I'm like, actually it's more people. And, um, you know, when you begin to see certain things of like two parent homes and what happens in two parent homes compared to not. And I know sometimes people can't control that. So I'm not even like, I realize that's a, again, a nuanced thing. Um, but I think sometimes it's too, I feel like we blame systems too easy. Sometimes are there deep holes in systems? Yes. Um, I, we've talked about a lot of those. Um, and so, and I am all on board for some of the holes. I just think sometimes we go to the system too quickly and not taking on responsibility. And in particular, from a faith perspective, if you're a Christian, you know, one of the things that we espouse to is this idea of personal responsibility. You know, like we, we have a way that we should act and think and treat the things that we have. And, and there's a course of a communal responsibility as well of how we help each other. But there's a, there is a personal responsibility to things that as, as people of faith that we should adhere to that oftentimes we don't because we're chasing after materialism or we're chasing after the next big thing, or we're chasing after, um, so, I mean, Matt, I've, I've talked to younger people, even in our church who seemingly have enough money to travel like 26 weekends a year and um go all over the place and buy and but like they can't when it comes time to like do our like big give let's say for um where we give all the money away they're like ah i just can't mm. you know like and so it's like i don't know you just you, you hear stuff like that enough and and then it's just like kind of like well sure there are some some systematic things but man there's also a lot of personal responsibility that i think people are ignoring yeah, and I think that's the tricky thing about ec- economics, right, is that like right now we're talking about, well, <clears throat> the economy, like we have to reopen the economy and the one side saying more people will die if the economy crashes and the other side saying no, like you're putting money before people and, you know, it's a nuanced conversation. But the trick- tricky thing about economics is that, A, it's not about, it- it's math, but it's math that involves people. So like what we're learning right now is that economics doesn't a booming economy doesn't just mean the stock market's up because if you have a up stock market but your um <clears throat> your like pandemic response team is not up to snuff then your economy can crash pretty quickly because of something that has nothing to do with money like illness or a storm or you know the like a good economist knows that all these things are economics like economics is psychology and medicine and education and environmentalism like all those things affect the economy ultimately so it's tricky when we talk about economics because it's a macro that also has to do with the micro but i think when we're talking about systems um two things we should delineate the term system even has different um Mess, like even has different meanings because there's like, oh, this is the way the welfare system works. That's a system that's in place. But then there's also this is the way that our current 
economic ideology works. So the system sort of writ large, not necessarily, it's not written anywhere in the Constitution that like CEOs will make 58 times, you know, 58 times the amount that their workers make. It's not written there anywhere, but it is the system in which we live. So you think about like free market economics as a system, but not in the way that like um, healthcare is a system, right? So I think when I posted that and when I generally give these wide sweeping sort of criticisms of the system for me it's more about um like at what point will we stop so like for you it's the same feeling but directed at different things for you you i what i hear you saying is you feel like at what point do we stop blaming the system and take responsibility for our individual finances and for me, I'm like, at which point do the people in power stop blaming us for not being good with our finances and accept the fact that CEOs shouldn't make 60 times what a normal person makes um, because they didn't necessarily yeah. do 60 times the work? Sure. And I, and I would agree with I, I agree with that, that we've got to take a look at some of those things that cause, you know, the wealth gaps and inequality stuff. And, um, you know, and I think. Sometimes, I, so I, I would say like this would be like, sometimes the language around this, I, I just don't like, like, um, you know, you might hear someone say like, well, I'm like really for social justice. And like that implies that like for some reason I wouldn't be right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, so it's like sometimes we might be trying to come to the same conclusion on certain things, but so to anyone who saw your post, they might have said like, well, yeah, it's 80%. Matt posted it, right? It's like, and like, they might not be thinking like, well, Matt's just saying, he's. it's a general sweeping statement that talk about systems, but like my gut would tell me that there are people that would then take that 80% and be like, you know what? Like 80% of people couldn't make it, mm-hmm. you know? And, but there's like no factual data to that. It just, it was a statement, you know? And so, I think my my thing with like some of the language around this stuff, whether it's personal responsibility or a systematic issue that we have, I think one of the things that we've got to get better at, including myself and and you and anyone else that talks honestly, but like is um, is being careful of like kind of the labeling and generalization part because I think that causes some friction, right? Like if if you come to me and say, well, I'm the, I'm the more kind of liberal, like progressive guy who like, I care, like, I'm just going to like, I care about like movements and, you know, me too stuff. And like, like labeling that would then say like, oh, Wags is on the other side and he doesn't care about that stuff because he's coming. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and so, and in the same way, I can't sit there and be like, ignorant, be like, well, I'm all about personal responsibility. And like, and like taking that angle all the time and being like that and ignoring the systematic issues that we have, because then that labels things a different way and lets people off the hook. So I just, I don't know, I guess ultimately the reason why I was just kind of like blah <laughs> about it was um, <laughs> that I just, I think the the more we keep podcasting and um, the more I keep reading and, you know, in particular during this quarantine, it's just like, my reading has gone skyrocketing with just all these different people and perspectives and, and all that stuff. The, the more I'm like, Oh, I am like, 
I am beyond over the generalization stuff. Like it, it, so that's, that's why I reacted the way I did. Well, but how do you feel? So if we were to, let's say tomorrow we woke up and everybody, it was illegal to generalize, generalize, or we <laughs> lost the, uh, we lost the ability to generalize. Then, you know, like how do we approach things like economics and sociology and group psychology and like these things that sort of require a certain amount of, here's the data. Now I know not everybody X but I have to assume why so that we can like solve this problem on more of a macro level. Like what what do you feel like that looks like in this sort of like non generalizing? Do you feel like it's just the spaces like, yeah, that's fine. You can do that if you're in a room with a bunch of other macro economists, but don't do it on your Facebook. Or is it more like maybe we rely too much on those sciences? Like what, what's your feeling on that? It's a great question. great question because like you know like sometimes i feel like when you and i have conversations just in general like we're just sitting in the office talking and and we're not even podcasting stuff like sometimes i you know i've thought to myself like man that'd be a horrible facebook conversation (laughs) you know what i mean because like we might make make certain statements or we're just like goodness gracious we would have to dig into different things at so many different levels and people will latch on to certain stuff whatever but um I, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm more just getting more towards like a, uh, I'm just it's okay to be wrong, and so like I, I I'm like I'm just more getting to the place of like man I just wish people would just ask questions more or come from a hey it feels like there's we've got a, like a systematic issue here like what do you all think you know it feels like. Or I saw this and like made me really wonder, man, could 80% of people really not make it right now? Is that a thing? You know, like I I feel like that posture um, feels just more productive to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it doesn't, it doesn't ignore like being able to be like looking at, to your point, like a macro level and seeing like, man, there are like real like shoot like just take education right now right like we are seeing like major education issues and we can make general statements you know like we've we've talked to educators and i talked to someone kind of up the food chain in our county and um and like making some pretty broad statements about education so i you know you can do that and then you then you build off of of that i I think that's my i think that's where i'm coming from i've I'm tempted to get into how what you're talking about is actually a form of anarchist theory. <laughs> but I feel like we lose <laughs> listeners. Because <laughs> in anarchist theory, everybody breaks down into small enough groups that you don't have to generalize about people. Uh, you can just, uh, you know, you have a tiny little community of 130 people uh, that has sort of a government for the week, and everybody makes decisions based on the specific needs of those in the community. But... Um, I think one of the things I like about our back and forths is that you, like with this one, you said there's no way that, that 80% of people can't live past two paychecks. And it's funny cause like we're reading a book right now, um, as a staff and my big gripe about the book is that it's not, it's undersighted, like there's not enough citation. And then you kind of called me out for doing the same thing, which was good because then I went and I could not find the 80% number. Sure enough. Um, but it taught me a ton because I found a bunch of other stuff. 
Um, mm-hmm. So a couple of things that I jotted, just so there are some like researched facts in, in our conversation about the economy. Um, a couple of quick things that I found were, um, I researched your claim about what the average income is, and it was it was pretty much right. So the Bureau of Labor and Stats said the average income for somebody who is, manages to work 40 hours a week, which is a whole other thing where we won't even get into like your Walmarts and your McDonald's that specifically cut people at 35 hours so they don't get insurance. Sure. But average for 40 hours a week per individual is $48,672 a year. Um, Dave Ramsey.com uh, says that healthcare for uh, a family, so a family of three or more, is $19,608 a month. And you well know that from you guys have had nightmare scenarios sure. on the open market. Yeah. Um, and then childcare. So assuming uh, that you're working 40 hours a week um, and you don't have a parent, aunt, uncle, or friend that can like watch the kids, child care averages about $24,000 a year. So 24000 plus the 19000 for health care already almost knocks out your like average uh single single household or single parent household household, household, yeah yeah. um rent for a two-bedroom apartment so imagine you had three kids and you're renting a two-bedroom apartment averages about fifteen thousand dollars a year so ultimately based on the like averages which don't account for everybody that's just like averages are driven way up by the ultra wealthy and way down by the, the by the ultra impoverished um, if you're a single parent you're operating at a deficit of ten thousand dollars a year 10,008. So about $11,000 a year that you either have to borrow or put on a credit card or else you can't live. Um, now to your, but we would have to say like the, on the healthcare for 19,000 for, you know, that, that would have to be something. So even like some of those facts would have to be like, I, I'm not sure how that works for like a single mom, let's say with two kids making less than 50, does that throw? I, I'm. I just don't know. Does that throw with healthcare into a different bracket where it's not going to be nineteen grand? Right. Maybe it's eight grand. I, I have no clue. Right. So you can apply. I know this from doing it myself. You can apply for um, a tax credit, which which is evenly applied over the months um, and drives down your your yearly cost. Um, but it cuts off at a. I think it's forty two thousand dollars. So it's kind of like there's a there is a really dark spot there, especially for one parent homes between forty and fifty five thousand dollars a year, where you either need to like be poorer <laughs> or be way right. way more rich to to yeah. do one or the other. Um, and there's alternative things like the um, like the health share systems that are being set up, sure. but those don't do much. Like if you have a kid with asthma or an ongoing like issue, those are hard pressed for the that stuff. Um, but to your point earlier about the difference between a one and a two parent home, if you add another forty eight thousand dollars into that household with the kids, then you're operating at um, about you basically after everything live on about thirty two thousand dollars a year, which is which is doable. I mean, you and Lacey have done it. Uh, Jenny and I yeah. have done it. Um, now there's also as we talk about nuance that you can't really, it's harder to quantify. There are the nuances of like, you have two parents. I have two parents. Like we have Correct. generational sure. help with stuff yeah. or parents that we can borrow on. And once you get into generational, uh, oppressions and, and poverty that also shifts a little bit, but yeah, absolutely. Um, it was good to be challenged on the 80% because it made me 
look into it a little bit more and actually learn a lot about like what it actually costs to live in this country so that when we talk about like I don't know for me when I hear people say like $15 an hour is an insane minimum wage again maybe it's I'm looking at things through commie colored glasses but I'm kind of like I don't know (laughs) if you could even really live as a single parent working 40 hours a week with even one kid I'm not sure that you could live on $15 an hour um just looking at these numbers yeah and I also think people who haven't lived that way currently don't necessarily know do you know what I mean like like when, you know, Lacey and I, when we were transitioning into ministry into in 2008, you know, we had to figure stuff out. I went from a six-figure job to not <laughs> in a large way. And, um, you know, it was really hard to, to make that transition. So we felt we were a family of four and felt what it was like to, Lacey brought in a little bit of money, but like it was basically... I mean, my salary was $48,000 a year, you know, and then we had to figure things out and she brought in a little bit of money too, but not much. It was less than 10. But, um, and then, you know, when we planted the church and, you know, when we left in 2013, when we started prepping to plant the church, you know, we, I was working a part-time job. Lacey's working a part-time job. We're trying to figure out. So like, if you haven't like lit into your point about we we've gotten screwed with the current healthcare system in major, major ways. Um, and so for some people like, Oh, they just got to figure it out. Like they can, they can make it off 10 bucks an hour. I'm like, you haven't done that then. Like you, you have not lived that life like to, to even know. So yeah. like I, so I think part of it is like, sometimes we have to be careful on certain things too, of like spouting off on something if you have no clue what it's like. Yeah. Well, and I think again, the, when we talk about systems, um, unfortunately we have to make generalization. Well, when we talk about any of the ologies, right. Even theology, isn't it like, that's one of the rough things I feel like you and I, as we continue to get more and more into theology at some point, uh, it's rough because as soon as it becomes an ology, you're dealing with, generalizations in a lot of ways but yeah so certainly true with psychology and economics and uh sociology and all of these things um uh, but you know your point is well taken about sort of our tone and i think that's the other thing is um some of it is tone and timing right like so when when you chime in with maybe a good point are you chiming in with a good point at the right moment or in the right way or you yeah know, like at, the, at the right yeah. time um, like read the room, I guess is the thing, right? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think either way, you know, for me, um, I just get frustrated in the way that you get frustrated with some of the language and the, and the posturing and the generalizations. I think I, I am, I am similarly frustrated with some of the, what I see as, not that you do this, but like what I see is smoke screening of every time somebody brings up the wealth gap, somebody else is like, well, you got under, it's complicated. And it's like, yeah, I don't know, man, I'm not sure. Like, I think it is complicated, but, um, it doesn't seem to be happening in a lot of other, like, you remember when we were in Israel and we asked, uh, 
offer, who is hilarious. I think we've talked about him before. Um, you, for us in our Western context, you would not have been able to pin offer down. Like at one moment you thought like, Correct. Oh my gosh, this yeah. man is a paramilitary hyper conservative Jew. <laughs> yeah. And then the next thing out of his mouth would be like something about socialized healthcare and how it's the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. But he talked about taxes there and he so flippantly said it. He was just like, Oh, they go between like 11 and 40%. And I was just like, somebody in that country is paying 40% tax, and I don't hate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think all that stuff, I, yeah, I, I just think sometimes, I think you're right with like, okay, make a generalization to create a conversation, and um, because we see things. And then, then I think other people are right that there's nuance to things, like in terms of whether it's personal responsibility, or honestly, like there's some holes in the system, and you know... Like, you know, I've heard so many different times people saying our wealthy people don't pay enough taxes. And I I mean, I don't know what to base that off of, you know, like where someone's coming from on that or where their perspective is. But, you know, like some of the countries people reference our wealthy people pay more taxes than, you know, like so. um, And so I, I don't know, some of it's like some people will always blame it on the wealthy and I, and I understand at times why, why that happens. Um, but then there's a flip side to this, like even like in our current state, like sometimes I just get upset when people are just blaming wealthy people for stuff because um, like, honestly, like even for our church, like we've got some wealthy folks that have started big funds to help people, you know, that they can only do because of their wealth, you know? And so there's, um, and so there's, some sometimes I just get a little frustrated with that, but like there's also just an element of trying to figure out like okay, I, I also get frustrated when someone comes from the other perspective and says like, well, people just got to work harder. People, got, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's not that simple either, you know. So well, and it came like earlier. You said if you haven't done it, it's not fair for you to require it of other people, which I agree with. And also, if you have done it you still don't know what another person is going through. Like you can't ever walk a day in someone else's shoes. So that frustrates me sometimes too, where sometimes some of the most vocal proponents for certain things are like, well, I did it, you know? And it's like, well, but you're not me. I mean, like we're different people. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like we have, it's completely uh, different. You know, we talked about generational curses on the last uh, episode. Like, you, your generational curses might be different than mine. Your mental health might be different than mine. Your physical ability might be different than mine. We may be gifted in different ways. Like, it's just tough to make someone else walk a day in your shoes and vice versa. Um, I do, you know, I don't want to just be argumentative, but the thing is about some of the points you make about wealth, uh, I guess the thing that just makes me uncomfortable. And I, I understand that what makes the other, the other sort of like argument uncomfortable, because I understand like the idea of trickle down economics and the idea of like a rising tide, you know, raising all ships. And I, I understand like the good structures of some of those ideas. Um, and I understand also what makes folks who tend to be on that end of the spectrum uncomfortable is putting too much power in the in the hands of the of the system or of the government because it's like well have you ever been to the DMV it ain't it ain't a well-oiled machine like can you imagine if they were in charge <laughs> of all of your life so i get that however on the flip side of that i'm kind of like what you're describing of the generosity of wealthy people whether it's in our community or at large it then to me 
predicates the idea that like society is based on the benevolence of wealthy people. So like our whole like healthcare system, our whole like all of the things that we depend on if we're doing this sort of the richer the rich are, the better the rest of us will be because, you know, we know, you know, ultra rich people who give away a ton and are super generous. Um, It's just like it it lacks accountability to me, I guess. I think that like in the church, we have accountability with each other, but it's this idea. It's an old like to me, that's like the definition of oligarchy. It's when the rich people are allowed to decide whether we're the rest of us are doing well or not well based on their how benevolent they feel when they wake up, like if we have a good king or bad king. So I think that like, even then, it's like, even when you say it, and I know it's true, like my, I, I, my dad is great with money and has always been super generous. And we've always lived, you know, we, I grew up living below, uh, or, you know, like within our means so that we could give away, like our church, like is super generous. And, uh, so I've seen it and I understand it, but again, my brain goes to that macro systematic thing of like, but if this is the new standard, then like what what is the what are the repercussions of that for for the the poor you know the the least of these i guess yeah so like i so like again i think like that's we're trying to arrive at the same point like uh you know like we're you know we're we're both trying to get to the same point and our frustrations come from different angles and perspectives to get to the same point right like there's and so i hear what you're saying let me just put it into biblical terms. So if you if you process, like some people are like, oh man, like if you just look at the Bible, it's so clear that Jesus would be a socialist or Jesus. But I'm like, it's not. Like you you when you take the Bible as a whole, I just give you some easy examples, right? You've you do have some laws set up even in the Old Testament with God's people in Israel that were set up to help anyone who was poor and marginalized and to bring them up. That was a responsibility of someone who was wealthy, right? But it didn't say you couldn't be wealthy. You know, um, we, we and there's extreme wealth. You've got people like King David and Solomon. Like, you, I mean, there are people like extreme wealth within the context of God's people where God was was running the show for some of that stuff, you know? And so we see that extreme wealth doesn't necessarily go against God's will. Um, and matter of fact, can be used for great gain. And that person can have like a big house themselves <laughs> or whatever, you know, and all the toys that they want, whatever. Um, even in the New Testament with Jesus, you do have him in the teachings of the least of these, right? Like saying, uh, you want to know if you're following me, then how do you treat people who are poor and marginalized? And that is a very real thing. Um, but in the same way, he also teaches in, in the parable of the talents, where he's like, what did you do with what I gave you? And did you make more money with it? Mm-hmm. You know, and so like, like there's an element of like saying that he even teaches that there's that part. In Acts, you go to, man, they're all sharing and they had this community and all that stuff. You're like, man, that feels more like a system of that leans towards maybe just because it's easy to say socialism, not, not that, that that's what it is, but like, you know, it feels that way. But then you flip the script and you're like, oh my gosh, like you have Lydia who was unbelievably wealthy and started the church in Philippi and that doesn't start without her. You know, so it's like you, you've got the, you've got the balance of all of it. And, and I think within it, yeah, you, I think within the conversation, I think what we see scripturally is, yes, 
we address systematic issues, of course. Um, and yes, we address personal responsibility. And if you lean one way or another, that's where we get in trouble. Like it too far one way or another, that's where we can get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with the too far one way or the other. Like I've, I've heard some ridiculous poverty gospel stuff, just like I've heard some ridiculous prosperity gospel stuff. However, sure. your first instance of Jubilee in the old Testament was state mandated. So it wasn't, it was mandated by the law of the Hebrew people. Is that wrong? It was, it was mandated by God, though I will be honest, we have no record of whether or not they actually did it. Interesting. That I didn't know. So, um, where is it? No, they might have. They is might it, have. Do, is it, um, do, it's Leviticus. Leviticus I'm, I'm almost positive it's Leviticus. I could be wrong on that. Okay. But. So I'd like to look more into that. The Acts thing, I think you're, I think the Lydia thing is the strong argument. I think the talents thing is like, I, I guess I read the talents as an analogy for what did you do with the spiritual gifts that I gave you and did you make disciples and be fishers of men I'm not sure I can make a leap no, to that being financial well, but it is financial like it it's literally money like what did you what did you do with what I gave you like money and how do you view it and so it's a literal money thing and so we can't get away from the fact that there's something to taking the responsibility seriously of the money that we have. And and it's within the context of using other teachings of Jesus that would say, you know, um, we, we, well, if you go back to Proverbs, it says, you honor the Lord first with your money, but then you go through the teachings of Jesus and it kind of builds into more this idea of like, it's not about how much you make or how much you have. It's obviously about what you do with it. And so that we do have a responsibility um, to do well with our money in whatever context that is, you know. And so, if it's if you're super rich, you have an enormous responsibility. Um, and then if you're just scraping by, you still have responsibility. It just looks different than someone who's like really wealthy. Yeah. All right. I hear you. Um, is there any other thoughts? Any other thoughts that you have? Any other things you want to get out there? Get off your chest on this particular. Uh I'm good. All right, cool. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks for people requesting this to be a podcast and being excited about it when looking at Facebook comments. Um, We were thinking about maybe doing an Instagram live conversation, not about this, but just like do a live Stay Curious maybe on Instagram. So if that's something you're interested, let us know. And if you have any other comments or suggestions, quips, quotes, um, or curiosities, you can email them to staycurious.com at hillcityrva.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at uh, staycuriouspod or on the bad website, Twitter, at staycuriouscast. And um, so go ahead and reach out to us, rate and review us. If you get a second, share the episode um, so that other folks can get in on the conversation. And until next time, everyone out there needs to stay curious.